Hi guys, thanks for watching Mom Jeans and Crime Scenes. I'm Trish and I'm your host. Um, okay, so before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your support. My Facebook has been lots of fun. I've had lots of people commenting and sharing and that's just been a lot of fun for me because I get to interact with you guys. And also my YouTube has been fun too because I've been getting a lot of comments and suggestions and just like cheers and I love it. So thank you for that. Um, that being said, if you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, why not, guys? You should, because it's fun, and yeah, I would just love to have you along for the ride. So hit that subscribe button, click that little bell so you don't miss my videos, and also give it a thumbs up, because that helps me out a lot. And of course, I really love the comments, so keep those coming in, because it's been fun for me to get to know you guys, so... Um, if you are listening on my podcast, thank you so much. I would love to get to know you guys and interact with you guys. So come on over to my Facebook page, like that, and yes, you can see kind of what I'm posting. I try to post pictures of my stories um, so that you can really get a visual of what's going on. So if you don't watch YouTube, you can still have that part of it. So anyways, however you are watching this, or listening to this, I really appreciate the support. So thank you very much. Now, that being said, we are going to start this story. And it is a little bit of a darker story. Um, like if you get queasy easily, this might not be your story. So I just want to kind of give you a heads up that it's a lot. I am going to try to like water it down because, like I said, it is a lot. I don't get queasy or freaked out too easily, but even I was like, whoa, hmm, this guy's got some problems. So I will kind of give you a warning once we get to that point. Also, I'm going to reference suicide if that is triggering for you. Feel free to skip this one. But anyways, I'm going to get started now. So this is about Joseph Oberhansley. He was recently in the media. In fact, when I had when I started like really researching him, um, it was the day that uh, he was on trial, first going on trial. So it's kind of funny how that all worked out because I hadn't heard of him because of the trial. Somebody had just mentioned him to me a while ago. And I was like, hey, that guy would be really good for a story and I should share that. So I started digging into it. And so it was kind of a funny coincidence that I started doing that when I did. But anyways... So Joseph is, um, he was considered a normal kid. He grew up in West Valley, Utah. He was sweet. His grandma would say he was a sweet kid. There was really nothing, nothing weird about Joseph that would make you think that he would commit the crimes that he later commits. But when he was about 17 years old, it was in 1997, his dad and his brother both died. And they died kind of in traumatic ways. Um, his brother committed suicide from what I understand. And then his dad's death was a little on the suspicious side. In fact, um, there's not a whole lot about it. I was trying to kind of dig into that. I found a couple over Hansleys who died within weeks of each other. I suspect that they were his dad and brother, but there were a few things that made me think that maybe they weren't. So I just didn't want to, <coughs> sorry guys. I didn't want to like share all that and have it turn out that it wasn't them. So 
I'll probably keep digging because it's interesting to me, but yeah, my search didn't show a whole lot. So after his dad and his brother died, like I said, Joseph didn't handle it very well. In fact, he kind of started to go into a downward, downward spiral from there. Um, lots of drugs, alcohol, just raging. And this happened for about a year. Just uh, meth was his choice of drug and it just, just sent him in a really, really bad place. And he had started dating a girl named Sabrina Elder and they moved in to his grandmother's house and so he was living with his mom his grandmother and his little sister I'm not sure if anyone else lived at the house at the time but I do know that his 14 year old sister was there his mom and his grandma and then him and his girlfriend had just had a baby just five or six days before this all happened and when this is like supposed to be an exciting time this kind of ended up being a sad time instead um, so Joseph came home, he's 18 years old and he, he, I don't know if it was the drugs or what was going on, but he was just like super paranoid. He was really worried about, um, the baby not being his. He was like, sure that baby was not his, but also his grandma and his mom, he was like certain that they loved his girlfriend more than they loved him. So he was really jealous of her. So it was really weird. One day he came home, he was like super high on drugs, super angry for no reason, and he starts picking a fight with Sabrina. And at this point, I'm not sure if Sabrina's holding the baby or if his mom is holding the baby, but he's yelling and he's getting a little bit scary and aggressive, and whoever's holding the baby puts the baby down, okay, kind of keep the baby safe. And Joseph pulls out a gun, and he starts shooting at Sabrina, and he shoots her several times, and he, during all this, his mother throws herself over Sabrina to protect her. And so because of that, she was obviously shot as well. And his little sister, 14-year-old girl, like, this is brave to me, you guys. She grabs that baby. She takes off with that baby. And he turns and he shoots at her. And luckily, he missed her and the baby. They got away safe. And that was really good. But after he shot his mom, his mom was okay. She was hurt, but she was okay. But his girlfriend did pass away. So he took the gun and he turned it on himself and he ended up shooting himself in the head. Um, at this point, you would think, you know, that, that would be the end. But he actually manages to live. In fact, he survives in the hospital in a coma for three weeks. And then all of a sudden he's okay. And he is, as soon as he's healthy enough, he's arrested. So as soon as they arrest him, they charge him. At first, they want to charge him with first-degree felonies because, you know, he just, like, viciously murdered his girlfriend. And, like, it was completely unprovoked. There was absolutely no reason. But because of the meth, because of how high he was, because of his, like, the trauma that he had experienced the year before, and the fact that his family, like the people who were there, they were not willing to really cooperate with police on what had happened. So the investigators and prosecutors were like, we're probably going to have a really hard time sticking a first degree felony on this guy. So instead, they shoot for um, two second degree felonies. One was manslaughter because he murdered his girlfriend. And then the other one was attempted murder because um, he tried to kill his mom. So 
they are successful in trying him with that, um, which I think is really sad because he really should have gotten like a life sentence if if it were, you know, that's just my emotions, I guess. I felt like it should be a life sentence. But instead he gets sentenced 15 years in Utah prison. So yeah, that should be the end of Joseph's story completely, I think, there. But it's not. Instead, Joseph, he, um, because of good behavior, because of this brain injury he has, that they are like, oh, this bullet that's lodged in his brain, it gave him a lobotomy, like a lobectomy. I don't know what it's called. But they, they're like, this should actually make him a calmer kinder person and he's like yeah I feel so much calmer and just found my zen and he's you know convinced the process or the defense that you know he's better he's you know showing that he's he's a good citizen I guess whatever and even a doctor is like oh yeah that might actually change his personality and he might really be calmer now so all of this stuff they're like "Mm, well let's let him out of prison a little bit early so they put him on parole and they let him go but not only do they let him leave on parole they actually allow him to move to indiana with his mom because at this point his mom moved to indiana and she's been like cheering him on and she's completely forgiven him for almost killing her and viciously killing the mother of her grandbaby who by the way is that baby is living with his aunt and uncle who love this baby and are taking good care of him so he that's where that baby is um and mom is like cheering him on and like oh yeah he's he's a changed man and everything's great so he is allowed to go to indiana on parole there now before i get too far i do want to kind of rewind because there's a few things about him going to prison that really didn't sit very well with me and i don't think it sat well with many people, um, you know, they're talking about how calm he is and blah, 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 but he goes in and he gets a tattoo of Sabrina on his body, like, of her face or whatever, kind of, like, to keep her with him. That's strange to me. You just, like, murdered this girl and then you tattooed her on to your body, but that's not even, like, the worst of it. Like, this is awful. He puts murderous deeds tattooed across his back. Murderous deeds, you guys. Like, what? That's freaking, like, sick to me. I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. I have a dandelion tattoo on me, and I'm like, that's pretty rebellious. And then this guy goes and, like, does murderous deeds. I just think this guy's just completely evil. Um, that, I don't know. That, to me, just it says I... I'm not sorrowful for what I've done. Like, nothing about that tattoo makes me think that, you know, that he's going to change. I don't know why you would want that tattooed on you, but for whatever reason, he went and had this tattoo. So, that didn't really sit too well with me. But anyways, he is let off on parole and he flies to Indiana. And this is only the beginning of... A whole lot of like violence that follows. So he's living in Indiana with his mom and he 
decides to go start going to a bar. He's a regular at this bar. He goes and he he drinks and he plays darts and he's usually alone. Um, but I think he's in there enough that people kind of know who he is a little bit. And they're kind of learning, you know, who he rolls with and things like that. Well, one day a woman comes into the bar and she's, you know, kind of hitting on him and she talks him in to going back to her apartment with him. Right. So he's like, yeah, this is great. Witnesses around, they all say, yes, this woman totally invited him. It was her idea. So anyways, that's kind of important to, to know. But they go to these, this apartment and he's like, yeah, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to get I'm going to get some, like, he's pretty excited about what's going to happen for that night and uh, doesn't quite work out the way he thinks. In fact, um, she is living at, above another bar and the bar hears a fight going on in this apartment and so they call the police and they're like, something's going on up there. So the police go and they respond and she answers the door and she's like freaking out. He's going to kill my boyfriend. He's going to kill my boyfriend. And so they come in. And they find Joseph completely naked on top of this guy. And he's like choking this dude. And like the guy's not doing very well. <clears throat> but also Joseph has um, wounds across his head. And he says, well, this guy hit me with a bat. They stole my wallet. They stole a bunch of my things. You know, this is just self-defense. And in his defense, like, you know, he does have these wounds on his head. And they, the police do find his items hidden in this filthy apartment. So... I think that his story kind of, like, pans out, but just, like, the fact that he's, like, capable of, like, choking the guy, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, I know it's kind of a, a flight-or-fight type of issue, so, I mean, maybe I would fight, so who knows. But I think it's weird. They come in, he's, like, butt naked, and she's, like, trying to tell the police, yo, he, this guy followed me to my apartment, he's freaking me out. But the more they're looking at her, they realize her shirt's on wrong, her pants are unbuttoned, like, this guy's naked. Like, they're kind of getting that maybe, maybe she's not telling the truth. But regardless, they end up ar arresting Joseph and charging him. They throw him in jail, and his parole officer, there's like a chain of command or whatever you want to call it that... Is supposed to happen so his indiana parole officer is supposed to call the utah parole officer and the utah parole officer is supposed to report to um probations like however that works okay so he the indiana parole officer calls the utah one and he's like you know i'm not really sure you know looking at the report if joseph was the instigator or if he was really a victim in this and so the the parole officer in Utah is like, you know, if he gets charged with it, just let us know. Well, Joseph is actually charged for this crime, but nobody reports that back to Utah, or at least that's what Utah parole is saying, okay? So they give him kind of a high fine. They said $1,000 cash. They have to give $1,000 in cash to be able to, um, to get him out, and he's able to post that bell but it's kind of it's kind of um, interesting because they all say that they don't know why the bell was so high. They all say that they don't they didn't do any research about him. They didn't know of any past violence. 
But it's just really weird that they would like set his bail for that high for somebody who they don't think is a violent person normally. So I don't know. I don't know if they really did know and they just are trying to cover their tracks. But either way, he is able to post bail. Once again, Joseph is, he just slips through the, the cracks. I feel like he slipped through the cracks the first time by only getting 15 years in prison. And now he's on parole. He's commits something that's violent and he slips through the cracks again. And I want you to, to think about this um, because I feel like there's a huge disconnect and it makes me wonder if this, if they had kind of like caught on if everything was done properly and he would have ended up coming back to Utah to serve his time in prison, if you think it would change anything. So I'm going to kind of tell you what happens next, but I do, I want to hear what your thoughts are on this because I wonder if he would have changed anything. Like, I think that there would have been a little differences in the outcome, but like, I don't know. I don't know that like, I mean, it's a big deal that these steps weren't taken to get him back to Utah, back in prison. But at the same time, I'm not sure if it really does make a difference. But I'm going to tell you the story and then we can kind of discuss it because I'm curious to know what you think. But anyway, so in 2014, Joseph meets Tammy Jo Blanton. And they 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 click pretty fast. In fact, um, like they decide that they love each other. He tells Tammy Jo a little bit about his his past. I don't think he really goes into detail. I don't think like... She knows really anything about the girlfriend being murdered or anything like that. But um, she does know that there's a violent past. He says that, you know, he's using drugs a lot. He blames being young. And he's a changed man. And that bullet in his head is proof that he is calmer and a better person because of things. So because of that bullet. So she believes him. And they... They start a relationship pretty quickly, and I I believe she even gives him a key to her apartment. Like, things happen fast, but he's kind of a jealous guy. Like, she's not even allowed to have a Facebook that's hers. Like, it has to be their Facebook, and he has to monitor what's being said. Like, he's really controlling, and Tammy starts to kind of get depressed, and her friends notice that their outgoing friend isn't outgoing anymore. She just, you can just tell that there's a difference, and they're worried about her. Um, and Joseph just continues to get in trouble. He gets in trouble for driving on a suspended license, but they don't do anything about it. They don't arrest him. Nothing. It's never reported to his parole officers or anything. And then again, later on, he's in trouble for having a deadly weapon and for like just causing all kinds of chaos. I don't know the whole story with it, but I know that he has a deadly weapon he gets put in jail and he gets a pretty a pretty good high bell. It's $500 and it's really sad to me because Tammy Jo comes and she spends $500 to bail him out. And so, I don't know, it's just really sad to me. So she bails him out and at this point her friends are like, Tammy, like there's something up with this guy. Like we're really concerned. So they start to search him on Google. And of course, they find all these articles from Utah about him murdering his girlfriend. And they're like truly concerned. So they tell her, they're like, Tammy, you got to see this. Like, this guy is not who he says he, he is. And she, it, this freaks her out. Like, it would freak any of us out, right? So she, she decides, okay, 
you guys are right. We, I need to call this off. And so she ends up breaking up with him. Now, he doesn't really handle breakups very well. He doesn't handle rejection very well. As we saw, like, you know, he didn't love that his grandma and his mom may have liked his his girlfriend too much. Like, that rejection of not being loved as much as his girlfriend was just too much for him to bear, even if it was something he made up in his mind. And now that he's being rejected by Tammy, like, he was raging. He just did not know how to control this. And I, this is kind of where the story gets a little bit scary and freaky. So that's not your thing. I'll see you in the next video. But if you decided to stick around, like it, it's interesting to, to hear what happens. So stick around if you can. So Tammy is obviously really scared of Joseph. Um, you know, she's broken it uh, off. He had a lot of power over her. Like, it, it's hard to get out of situations like that. I think that it's really hard um, to make that decision to get out of something bad. Um, but she's able to do it. And she must have felt sick inside. Like, can you imagine finding out that your boyfriend, this guy that you may possibly want to spend the rest of your life with, murdered his girlfriend who had just had your baby like that poor girl um but she was strong and she got out of the situation and she changed her locks and everything but on september 11th at three o'clock in the morning joseph he's just he's not gonna have it anymore and he tries to get into the house and when he realizes she changed the locks he's freaking mad and he starts beating down this back door and so she calls 911 and she's like please help me he's trying to break into my home and the police respond pretty quickly and they they find joseph outside the home he's obviously distressed he's obviously upset and they're able to talk him kind of off the cliff they're able to talk him into leaving and they watch him leave the property and they tell him like you, you cannot come back here so he leaves and they're like okay you know, he's gone. You know, that's all we can do for you at this point. Good night. And they leave Tammy, Joe. So he goes home to his mom at 3.30 in the morning. And she wakes up. And he is standing at her bed. Now, have you have you ever had like your kid, if you're a mom or a dad, your kid comes in in the middle of the night and they're like standing by your bed and it's kind of freaky that situation well just imagine that but it's your grown ass adult son who has shot you before and also he murdered his girlfriend violently in front of you I don't know about you guys but I probably would have peed in my pants if I was her because he's standing there and he is freaking mad he is so upset he's telling her I'm angry at Tammy she rejected me she locked me out of the house and he's like so angry and then he leaves now I don't know I would have called the police I think I would have been like yo he's got a, a past of violence uh he murdered his last girlfriend he's really upset with this girlfriend uh he tried to commit suicide before I think you guys need to go check on him but as far as I know I haven't heard of any reports where she did call I don't know she just went back to bed or what happened but he goes back to Tammy's apartment and the next morning 
Tammy doesn't make it to work. And her coworkers are a little bit worried because they know that she's upset. They know that she's worried about Joseph hurting her and she's not at work. And so they call her. They're, they're hoping that she answers her phone and that things are okay. But she doesn't answer. Instead, Joseph answers. And I don't know. I would be so freaked out if it was one of my friends and I knew that their violent boyfriend was over there when he wasn't supposed to be. So their hearts sunk and they immediately called 911 to get a welfare check to go over and check on Tammy. So the cops go over there and they notice immediately that the doors, the back door had been tampered with and probably had been broken into and so they knock on the door and Joseph comes and he is at first he's like actually Tammy's gone and uh they're kind of suspicious they remember that they had you know they'd just come earlier that morning and told that guy to leave um and he's got like these defensive wounds on his hands so and then also like the the state of the door they're like no, we don't really believe you. So they go into the house and they see blood everywhere. Like the house is just a massacre. And like nothing, nothing can can prepare, I don't think, an investigator or a police officer for this scene that they're really about to see. So this, the blood everywhere, that's nothing compared to what they end up finding. So they go up they go into the bathroom and they find Tammy in the bathtub they find her body and her body is covered with a tarp or a tent of some kind and once they get a closer look at her they realize that her head had been cut he'd taken an electric saw and he cut open her head and he took a piece of her brain and he ate it raw like he ate her brain and then he like cut her open and he ate her heart. Well, he took her heart out. He took her a piece of her lung out. And then another piece of her brain. And he cooks them. So he's got, they find a plate. They find tongs. They find forks and knives. And he ate her brain and her heart and a piece of her lung. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you, you hear about those things in Hollywood movies but even those movies, I don't think, can prepare you for this. Like, what? So there's a lot of uh, speculation on as to why somebody would do that. We'll kind of get to that in a second. I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't know a lot about it. But it would be kind of cool if we get somebody to come, maybe come in and talk to us about the psychology of that someday. So maybe that's something we can think about. But they end up going um, and talking to Joseph and they search him, they find this bloody knife on him, and they're like sure that this that he has done this. And he admits to it. He's like, Yes, I did, I did, I did murder her. And so they arrest him. But when they get him to jail, he changes the story. He's telling them that he's not Joseph Oberhansley. Um, he's uh he tells them that two men were at the house when he got there and they'd murdered her and then he fought them off. But he's not sure who ate Tammy. The, 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 yeah, like nothing is 
adding up at this point, and it's just kind of weird. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of deep at this point. But um, they arrest him. Thankfully, they are able to put together a really great case, and they are able to, like, keep him in jail. But his story doesn't end there. Like, this trial, her poor family, her poor loved ones, because, so this happens in 2014. His first trial date is set 2016. But the defense is like, we need more time to prepare. Like, we can't, you know, they had like two years. I don't know know how long really they had, but like, you know, 2014, 2016, you, you would think somebody would be working on this, but maybe not, but they need more time. So 2017 comes along and then they're like, this guy is not competent. They can't, we can't do the trial yet. So it gets postponed again. And then in 2020, they finally are able to, um, to get the ball rolling for this. Um, so it started in September, I think it, September 11th, 2020. So six years after he murdered her exactly that they, uh, start his trial. And luckily, um, they did an excellent job preparing the prosecution. Um, that poor jury, I, from what I understand, it was really a tough, tough trial. Um, they had to see some graphic evidence. Um, but yeah, they all knew that this guy definitely murdered his girlfriend and he was sentenced to life in prison. So that just happened, um, just last month. So it took him six years to finally get, um, a good sentencing for the guy. But, uh, yeah, he is in prison. Um, and it's really sad. I think that, I don't know, you you think about these kind of people who are controlling and powerful and, or they want to be powerful. And that might be why he decided to eat parts of her. Um, it's just like his way of dominating her and being powerful over her. I think that that was kind of what they thought with Jeffrey Dahmer, that that's kind of why he would do that with his victims. It was just like a power thing. Um, with his controlling issues with like Facebook stuff and jealousy, I think that that might line up with his personality as far as like, it, it probably was a power thing. Um, dominating him, dominating her kind of thing. But um, yeah, it could be, there's like, a, I guess a whole lot of, of things that could go into to why somebody would eat another person. So I don't want to go too deep into it because it's freaking weird. But um, yeah, that's the story of Joseph Oberhansley. And uh, if you stuck through that, thank you. I know it was kind of graphic and I tried to like water it down as much as I could. But um, if you are in a situation where you're scared of your significant other, um, there's help for you. I will, I'm going to link some resources because I think that's important that to know that you can get out of these situations and that there's ways to do it safely. I feel like, uh, Tammy was failed. She really was trying hard to get out of this and she was failed. So, um, I don't want that to happen to anyone else because you guys are worth living for. And so 
yeah, please reach out. If you, if you're scared or feel like you're in a situation that you can't get out of, there's just know that there are people out there who will help you. There are people out there that you can trust and I will try to link some resources to help you out. So anyways, thank you for coming to Mom Jeans and Crime Scenes tonight. I am excited to have you part of my, my crime scene. Uh, like I said, if you haven't subscribed to my channel, please do that now. Please hit that little bell. Give me a like and leave some comments for me. And yeah, I will see you guys next time. Good night.